Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host, Brad Hicks. Now, this is clear and convincing. Uh, not the voice you probably expected, but if you read the description, it is the midterm election coverage brought to you by Talk Radio 49. I was brought in by the guy that usually hosts the show with uh, Lisa O'Brien. Uh, Michael Carnahan is with us. Uh, my former co-host on the American Idiots podcast, uh, Behind the Mustache, whatever show we chose to run with Sean Castleberry. He is on the freeway, actually. Uh, headed to his location right now to to help with the show. But we are watching the returns come in. And as of when we go live, the, or went live, the polls have now closed in several states. ABC News is projecting Democratic wins in six House races, Indiana 1, North Carolina 12, Ohio 13, Virginia 4, Virginia 8, and Virginia 10. They're also projecting that Republican wins in Georgia 9, Indiana 2, Virginia 1. And they're projecting that Democrat Sherrod Brown will win the Senate race in Ohio. Now, you know, you, you may be thinking to yourself, honestly, uh, what does that mean for me? And, and that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Everything that you're seeing, obviously, leading into these midterm elections in 2018, you heard nothing but that the Democrats were going to basically take over the House and control the Senate. And that's that's vital depending on who you support, uh, you know, from a political standpoint. Right now, 1 in 12 uh, chance that the Republicans win the House. That's what, um, 8.6% chance that they control the House. Now, on the flip side of that, it is almost uh, an 89 to 90% chance, depending on what you look at. Now, that's from Real Clear Politics. Uh, Just called uh, Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker will defeat the incumbent Bruce Rauner. That's just called in Illinois as we will be watching these. Now, this could jump all over the place for sure, but uh, Michael, let's see if Sean is is available right now, and uh, Sean, are you with us? Yes, I'm with you. Just putting air in my tires. Oh, boy. That sounds... uh, I don't know what sounds better. Watching the... Okay, actually, Sean, just called uh, incumbent Elizabeth Warren will uh, retain her Senate seat uh, there. Bob Casey called his Senate seat over Lou Barletta in um, Pennsylvania. So, Sean, I mean, obviously these races are pretty, you know, clear-cut. The incumbent Chris Murphy retains his Senate seat in Connecticut. So this is starting to shift. I mean, these aren't surprising. But, Sean, the surprising results are going to be, obviously we're looking at the Florida governorship, which is very close. The Senate seat in Florida. 
very close. Uh, the the big one, one of the big ones, the Kentucky six, really close. Uh, the Georgia governor's seat is another one that's very interesting. As I believe on the ticket right now, Sean, and correct me if I'm wrong, but we have two potential firsts in in um, in uh, state political uh, movements, and that is potential election of two first-time black governors in any state, uh, Sean, and that that's huge. In the movement forward going into 2020. Oh, absolutely. You know, uh, especially just like President Obama being the first uh, African American president that was elected to office. You know, this is uh, another great day in history, and hopefully, we'll see that happen. Right. Uh, and you know, like in Florida's 27th district, uh, Democratic Donna Shalala. Leads the Republican Maria Salazar 52% to 46%, with 61% of the precincts reporting. Now, NBC has called the race for Shalala. This was another piece of the low-hanging fruit for the Democrats. Um, you know, I'm, I'm looking at, of course, uh, the, the the polls that I'm watching live on television. The Senate with a 57% chance, a probability, excuse me, of retaining the, the uh, Republican control. While the House is hanging on to that seventy-seven uh, percent uh, margin to control the House, and um, so that's that's another interesting caveat to all of this is is and historically, you know, Sean, uh, you know, as important as this is for the Democrats who really kind of felt the the kick of the twenty sixteen election. Historically, this is something that you really come to expect. I think in these races uh, in the midterms following a shift of power from either Republican or Democrat in the presidential side is that usually something flips. And I think, Sean, this is going to come down to the number of flips uh, and and controlled uh, seats, in my humble opinion. Now, you may have a a different opinion on that, Sean, but, uh, you know, that's where I stand on the issue at this point. Um, Can you hear me? Are you still there? I got you, Sean. Yeah. No, no, I think you're right about that. I mean, these things tend to uh, swing, you know, both ways on the pendulum. And obviously they swung very conservative during our last election. And, uh, you know, the uh, conservatives control everything at this point. So just uh, if we're able to get the House as far as the, uh, you know, left side, uh, I think that's just a, a, a good step in the right direction to force, you know, more partisan politics and, and to get away from the uh, the extreme. Absolutely, Sean. And, you know, another race that, that that's going to be interesting as we move forward throughout the evening. And again, uh, you know, we apologize if we can't cover everything coming out. We're limited on our time slot. So it, it depends on when the polls close and things of that nature. But you know McCaskill and Hawley, the the the, the race in in Missouri, uh, you know key key factor there, Sean, and we'll see how you know a lot of people are making it a referendum towards um, the Trump administration or you know a referendum towards Trump in this election. But he was in Missouri and he was campaigning very 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 hard for the Republicans down there, especially Hawley. Uh, and so that's going to be an interesting race. Can that? Can the Republicans take Missouri? Which I believe, uh, if I'm, uh, and I'm, I'm, I promise, Sean. I mean, I know you know this is really. It's really hard to because you're throwing percentages left and right all day. You know, 
Um, but we go back to the margin of victory that was that Trump had in Missouri. It was, I think, it was a 16-point uh, lead in Missouri in 2016. I don't know if that's yeah. an indicator of what could happen in in uh, today, but very interesting. Yes, it is. And you know, again, with the uh, with the pendulum swinging as hard as it did to the right, hopefully uh, we'll see it swing partially back. Uh, again, to get back to uh, bipartisan politics, because uh, that's what we need more than anything at this point. It's just uh, it's too extreme to one side right now. Absolutely. Sean, I'm going to go ahead and uh, read you. This was about uh, three minutes ago. <clears throat> ABC News is projecting that the Democrats <clears throat> excuse me, win 17 House races, Alabama 7, Delaware, Alabama, Florida 5, Four to nine, four to ten, four to thirteen, four to fourteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two, twenty-three, and twenty-four. Um, that Massachusetts one, four, seven, eight, and Pennsylvania eighteen. While the Republicans pick up thirteen House races, four to three, four, eleven, twelve, sixteen, seventeen, nineteen, twenty-five. Georgia ten, fourteen, Kentucky four, Ohio six, and Virginia six. So obviously, those are probably some of those. Those are some of those seats, Sean, that weren't up in question. I can say now, the the uh, it, the interesting thing here now, uh, Sean, jumping onto this, is that the real-time forecast has actually moved up uh, the chance of the Republican control now at 19.4%. Obviously not um, not very very strong but the fact that that after some poll closings that number jumped a tad bit and obviously that's getting more towards the center of the of the map we all know the center of the map was extremely red uh in 2016 so maybe that's just a, an uh an overshadow there but uh you know uh, uh sean your take on the fact that now the republicans have kind of moved up 14 percent even though the the ticker i'm showing here is Show seventy nine percent probability. Oh, go ahead. So anyway, while we're waiting on you, I guess I will go ahead and tell everybody in Florida the Democratic Senator Bill Nelson is up about five points in Pinellas County with eighty percent uh, percent of the precinct reporting. Trump won Pinellas by one point in twenty sixteen, and it's a key county in the Tampa Bay area. It cast five percent of the statewide vote two years ago. Hard not to see this as a good sign for Nelson. And uh, Gillum ahead of DeSantis by point, that's 49.6 to uh, 49.2%, with 82% uh, of the votes in. This race is looking very close, like seemingly everyone I can remember in the state of Florida. Obviously, I uh, want to let everybody know, uh, The obviously, Bernie Sanders will retain his Senate at, uh uh, you know, with with an early lead right now, Beto leading Ted Cruz in Texas. Uh, it looks like uh, Manchin over Morrissey, but we're not going to call that just yet. Ivy called over in the Alabama governor race. And again, a lot of these DeSantis and uh, Gillum, we just talked about that. Um, the, Nelson leading 50.4 to 49.6 over Scott. That's That's, you know, big. The thing here, Michael, 10% of the reporting in, and Kemp has a 60 to 40% edge over Abrams right now, obviously with a lot more to come in, you know. 
I don't know the the particulars of how they report if it's more rural and then the urban areas report, but I, I tend for that to probably get closer, and uh, it's not out of the realm of possibility. Now, interestingly enough, the real-time forecast shifting again to a 24.4% edge now that the Republicans could control the House. So that's changing as the night's going on. And, you know, the interesting thing about that yesterday, Trump on the uh, campaign trail yesterday in Missouri said that this could be a lot like, and there you have it, Sherrod Brown called for the Ohio Senate race. I believe we called that earlier. But the interesting thing there, Trump actually said this could be wrong again. And it's interesting we see this movement. Now, obviously, we're still at now we're at a 27.3 percent chance that the Republicans retain the House. But, you know, I, I mean, it's gone nothing but up since this landslide of results have come in. It's very interesting. Could we see another 2016-like night where the Republicans defy all the polls? I mean, and Sean, whenever you get a chance, just, just jump on in and, and tell me to shut up and, and we'll bring you in. Um, I don't know. Uh, the thing about it to me is, and you've heard the narrative, and, and here's what. We each have our political stances that we that we tend to take. Um, I obviously lean towards a more conservative viewpoint, even though it's a more moderate uh, uh, conser- uh, viewpoint. But but I'm going to try to be as as objective as I can uh, in, in what I do tonight. I'm not going to sit here and try to argue with with anyone about who's right and who's wrong because ultimately, in the end, I believe that this this will boil down to you know we're all on this plane called the United States and and I don't want to see you know I don't want to see the captain you know I don't want to actually root for the captain to crash the plane you know we're all flying for that landing spot but you know you have to look at the narrative that was put in this position is that you know like in the 2016 election the uh, the narrative was Hillary Clinton by a landslide and so this could be a referendum not only against Trump but it could this be if the Republicans somehow find a way to flip it to to take control of the House as well? Is this a referendum on on the Republicans' viewpoint of the media that they slant everything against the conservative? Uh, well, let's see. Uh, tonight could be your night in the six Kentucky six. A graph now leads far fifty to forty nine with seventy four percent reporting. I mean. This is close. That is as close a race as you can. Uh, ABC, ABC News is now projecting that the Republicans will win in Florida 2, 6, and 8. And the Democrats will win in the Florida 7. I mean, Florida is so diverse right now. It, it's it's uh, Now, the Republicans now are 1 in 3 shot of controlling the House at 32%. The House probability showing on the screen at 78%. Real clear politics is where we're getting that 32% number. Um, very interesting tonight what's going to happen. And so, Michael, while we're waiting on Sean to come back, I want to throw this question out there to you as we kind of let things – we don't want to throw numbers out too much because this thing's going to change back and forth like a great uh, – caller uh, – hang on one second. We're going to throw this to you, Michael, real fast. Is before you do that, Michael. I just want to throw this to you real fast. Uh, you have this. The, everybody's saying this is the Trump narrative. If we find that the House 
if we find that the House does somehow stay in the Republican control, is this a hidden message just like in 2016, or not 2016, but is this a hidden message as a referendum against what people say is a biased media? And I, and I want to ask that question with no, no ill regard to anybody. I just want to know, in everybody's humble opinion, could we see that maybe, just maybe, there is some slant there? And, and, and that's just, I don't know. Well, I mean, that is one interesting point, you know, as we see some more of the races being called Tom Carper, obviously these all Democratic strongholds. But the thing is with this, you know, we've seen nothing but a wave in an upward t- trend that the Republicans obviously controlling uh, Tennessee, uh, controlling the governorship again. But the thing is with this that I will say it, it's it could be. But the thing I want to say also is if the Republicans somehow manage to squeak out a majority in the House and continue to control all three uh, major forms of government, they have two years. You know, and you heard Trump last night say that he wishes he had a softer tone at one point. Uh, I I mean, it's the interesting thing that uh, that I believe that Trump does understand what's going on. And I believe that it's taken to tonight for him to understand he needs to soften his tone for uh, if he wants to win in 2020. And that's the big thing. You know, you look at this tonight, and the Republicans obviously with a greater chance than 95% chance that they're going to retain the uh, control of the Senate now and a 31% chance that they're going to retain control in the House. That's completely just gone up and up and up. But one thing I will say is this. It's just it, it strikes me because tomorrow morning starts the race for 2020, and that's where you got to look going forward. So yeah, I mean it is a it is a speaking on the media so to speak, but also the Republicans have got to understand that they've kind of been given a gift here. You know what I'm saying? Well, and I don't know, Sean. Uh, if, just jump in again whenever you you get that opportunity. I understand you're. Uh, in the middle of some things, but uh, I don't know if they were given a, a gift uh, per se. I think where I see, and this is me, and 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 again, I do not support the rhetoric that Trump spews from from his mouth uh, and through his actions. But I think what was missed on a lot of the campaign trail in the midterm was. Are the numbers that are there that show a positive in, in several key issues that a lot of people want to see? And, you know, everybody, some some agree that the economy's gotten better, um, you know, and, and other issues. But I think a lot of the narrative has been focused on this caravan and the um, immigration status and, and obviously this wall that, that they talk about. And, um, you know... Maybe that that could be maybe Trump learning as he goes. Obviously, if he had a softer tone, he might appeal to a certain an audience, maybe a demographic that uh, uh, right now. Interesting, real clear politics. Now, the Republicans now have a forty seven point four percent chance, almost a fifty fifty split now to gain control of the house now i told y'all i told y'all this now i didn't i mean not telling y'all like as in fact ha ha in your face 
But the story did come out eight hours ago from the Washington Post that the Gallup poll, who which has not been wrong since 1946, that right there is 72 years worth of polling, has not been wrong, forecasted that the Republicans could control the House. So at this point, and, and this will probably be something that Sean, and, and of course we're waiting again on, on uh, the lovely Micah Qualls to join us as well. Uh, she she will be on later. Her and Sean had a show on this for a little while. Uh, Ten minutes, ladies and gentlemen, until the next polls close, uh, 8.30 Eastern time, which will be right here in Arkansas. Several key issues and uh, races to go. But now the interesting thing, uh, with 84% uh, reporting right now, Andy Barr has now moved to a 50.5 to a 48.3% lead over Amy McGrath. Really close, 126,498 votes to 120,883. Uh, in Virginia, Abigail Spanberger is trailing Dave Bratt by a little less than 2,000, 3,000 votes with 79% in. Barbara Comstock is absolutely, the incumbent is losing House 10 in Virginia to Jennifer Wexton, uh, 57 to 42. And in the Virginia House race number two, and it went off the screen. So we'll have to get that back to you uh, when we can. Uh, ABC News is re- projecting that Republican Denver uh, Riggleman has won the Virginia 5th. It is also projected the 4 to 18th, another likely Republican district for Brian Mast. So it's going to be an interesting night. Uh, now, ladies and gentlemen, Real Clear Politics is giving the Republicans a 60.7% chance to win control of the House. This is this is shaping up is to be something that nobody forecasted right now, that, that, that the blue wave that everybody seemingly had going into this week is starting to turn into a red tsunami at this point, not saying that it's going to be, because we still have a lot of, of uh, uh, results to come in. But now, on the verge of an historic, historic upset in the in what would be the popular opinion leading into the midterms here. Michael, as you look at the three and five chance now, that was one in twelve. Let me put that into perspective. It went from almost eight percent to sixty point seven percent. And I hope Sean can can join us really soon to talk about this. Three and five now chance. A three and five chance now that the House could go to uh, could stay stay under Republican control, which to me, Michael, and I and I will be forty uh, Monday in the forty years that I can remember, which is not very long since I've been politically educated, uh, or even I shouldn't say polit- politically educated that I cared about politics and its effect on the future. I've never seen this. I've never seen four years of a president, in my honest opinion, that's had full control of both the House and the Senate and the most important office in the United States. So, so Michael, until we, while we wait on Sean to come back, Michael, give us your opinion on the change that we're seeing here. You know, this is eerily similar to what we saw uh, in 2016. Uh, so, Michael, go ahead and tell us what you're seeing. I mean, you're absolutely right. It's the craziest thing. You know, we saw this all of a sudden wave just two years ago, and this is eerily reminiscent. Obviously, we still have over half the country to go. Here in seven minutes, we'll get a little bit more of a clearer picture. 
obviously Arkansas coming in at 7.30 Central Time and things like that. But with that being said, I mean, this is just mind-blowing to me. You know, Trump said that he was hoping for a 2016-like situation, and that's exactly what it appears that we're seeing. Obviously, right now, like you said, a chance, a 1 in 12 chance. Nobody gave Donald Trump a chance in 2016. Nobody gave the Republicans a chance for them to control the House. So I'm going to counterpoint your question with this. Being a Trump person, I understand you're a little bit biased towards him, but I have to say, is this the Trump effect? Did all this you know, campaign and stump burning that Trump did over the past week, you know, he worked his tail off the past week for these Republican candidates. Is this the effort we're seeing right here that is turned into this now 60.7% chance? That the Republicans retain the House, uh, and I'll and I'll put this out there, and I and I I would say this: it it, it possibly okay. Now it's gone to forty two point eight, but the fact that it's that it that it's fluctuating like it is, it's not the at least right now, it's not the uh, you know as as the big and it, and it may not be the House may still go over to the democratic side but um and we just lost our feed to the the television but we'll keep going um i don't know the the deal the thing about it is right now is that you look at the 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 message that was put out there in this last ditch barrage that trump put out there and it's kind of it kind of irritates me to a degree. Watch the volume on that. It's probably going to be loud. Uh, that, excuse me, that it was about, like, more or less immigration and not the issues and the policies that, that I would have liked to see pushed out there. You know, I'm not, I don't want a message of hate. I don't want a message of, you know, profiling or racial discrimination of any of that nature. I want legitimate, I want to see the economy improve, I want to see, you know, fair wages installed, and as we can now say that ABC News is projecting wins in six house races, Florida's one, 18, Georgia one, Georgia three, 12, and Virginia five. Uh, the Florida governor race right now is too close to call, uh, at the time that we saw it showing, it showed, uh, I believe it, DeSantis with a slight margin uh, leading. You know, that's going to be interesting. That's been a governorship that has been Republican controlled, you know, throughout what I can remember, you know, obviously with Jeb and, and those guys. And uh, So, you know, it's going to be interesting. I mean, there's going to is there a movement uh, going on? Uh, 42.8%, of course, for real-time, uh, real clear politics. Uh, now it's going to 45. So it's, I mean, anything anything that's 50-50 to me in that range is interesting, uh, considering what it was going into this. ABC News is projecting that Robert Mendez, Menendez will win the Senate race in New Jersey. Um a little bit more contested. In the Virginia 7th, it's an incredibly tight race between Republican Dave Bratt and Democrat uh, Abigail Spanberger. 
Uh, the Virginia Department of Elections has brought up by about two points, but almost all the outstanding votes in is in Chesterfield County, a major suburban county outside of Richmond. That part of the country went for Democrat Ralph Northam by about three points in the 2017 gubernatorial race, which he won. So how it votes will be decisive in Virginia. And, uh, you know, Michael, uh, I'm looking at this now, a 4-9 and nine chance, 45%. Uh, Shala, Donna Shalala uh, called the House race. We've already called that over Marie Elvira Salazar. Um uh, Still, though, if you look at the numbers, uh, 51 to 45, so these aren't runaways per se, as they are just, as you see, the Democrats gaining that seat in Florida. Uh, so that's interesting. And you know, and uh, uh, Sean, are you are you are you are you able to to come on? Apparently, Sean is uh, still uh, taking care of what he's got to take care of, and we'll definitely get back with Sean. Uh, right now, the net gain in the House, the Democrats plus two, the magic number, 21 more seats. They have to reach that plus three, 23 in the House to regain uh, control of the House. Now, the net gain in the Senate, zero. It's much closer to regain the Senate as they would need a plus two. Right now, the balance of power is showing that the Democrats would have 30 the Republicans would have 26. Or, excuse me, the Democrats have 30. The Republicans have 26 right now with a ton of seats left to, to show. But they have a plus two gain right now, which is very interesting to me. Uh, now, uh, here, uh, a guy breaking, Nathaniel, um, what's his name? Rakevich. Uh, you may have noticed our real time forecast has moved toward uh, Republicans in the House. It's being too aggressive, in my opinion. The model sees that a bunch of likely Republican districts, particularly in Florida, are now 100% likely to go red. But there hasn't been the chance for Democrats to clinch many equivalent likely Democratic districts so far. So there's that number. I mean, it could change, and it most likely will. Um, but, you know, the thing is there's a and the polls have now officially closed here in our home state of Arkansas. So it's going to be really interesting to see uh, in those, to think the races that Arkansans will be looking at are going to be more of the initiatives and the issues. Uh, ABC News is now projecting that Democrat Gina Raimondo will win the gubernatorial race in Rhode Island. Uh, also, uh, the ABC News is projecting Republican wins in seven House races, Florida 15, Indiana 9, South Carolina 3, Tennessee's 1, 2, and 4, and 6, while also projecting Democratic wins in Rhode Island 1, 2, and South Carolina 6. So, you know, Michael, I'm just, uh, these are a lot of numbers, man. I am, you know, whew, a lot of the, the issues that we're seeing uh it's, it looks like right now, if you're a Democrat, uh, you have to have a little concern. But like they said, the models could potentially be uh, way more aggressive than usual. And so we could see a lot of different uh, things going. Uh, in the hot races in Arkansas right now, uh, no votes have come in uh, for issue four for the gaming license. 
The mayor race has not come. Uh, we're still waiting, basically, for, I mean, but the polls having just closed, you know, we're going to be waiting for a minute for, for those to come in. But uh, uh, we have someone on the line, so we're going to, uh, uh, we're working on that. Give me give us just one second there to, to kind of figure out what we've got going on here as we're in kind of that lull of the polls closing and we're, we're stuck in a, in a, sense of where we're at um michael you know i'm it'd be interesting the the impact that the florida governor's race has and the georgia race again let we go back to that i want to see exactly how this race shapes out and and to be honest with you um it would be neat it would be interesting to see you know georgia electing a female african-american governor would be you know unprecedented to me here we go uh huh uh, obviously the asa hutchinson um governor race in arkansas it was not called immediately after the polls closed now that could be a, a formality but uh asa was leading what looked to be a pretty decent comfortable race in uh, Arkansas, uh, for the most part. Uh, Michael, give me your take on what, if Abrams was able to win the, the Georgia governorship, what would that mean uh, in terms of the political landscape moving forward? We, you know, we've seen what the political landscape looked like after Barack Obama was elected in 20, you know, in, as, the, as our first uh, black president. Your take on potentially two first in the state uh, or in in the United States with two black governors? I certainly think it would, you know, change a lot of things. A lot of people believe that that we could potentially see a changing in the South as far as, you know, things that states that were ruby red are all of a sudden going to become not so ruby red, you know. A lot of interesting things going forward as far as what's going on in the world today. You know, like I said, uh, like we said earlier, a four and nine per point, a four and nine chance right now that the Republicans control the House, continue to control the House. That's amazing to me. But with that being said, I I believe that everything's equaling out a little bit here. You know, we said it'd be interesting to see. Democratic elections here going forward. Uh, could we see the Democrats take over like they've been preaching that they will? Could we possibly see that they were going to take over Georgia and it be blue coming up in uh, 2020? It, it's all a little bit of formality in this that all these things are happening. You know, Gilliam all of a sudden has a chance to become uh, the governor of Florida something that we haven't seen in quite some time and something that would be quite amazing to me to see that happen. And uh, we got Brad over here. We're all trying to work our computers here, trying to get bring you guys the latest results. Uh, I do want to say that um, initial results are trickling in from North Carolina, but at one point it wasn't clear that these elections would even be held today, you know. So a lot of things have come together that have kind of uh, thrown off a lot of people as far as these uh, midterm elections go. Uh, obviously, my computer being a little bit slow here, we're trying to bring you the Arkansas numbers. I know we have a few people listening 
in the state of Arkansas. We're trying to bring you those numbers. But look at this, Andy Barr, all of a sudden, 50.3% advantage over his challenger, Amy McGrath, 48.5%. And, you know, that's with 88% precincts reporting. It's actually uh, it's actually very interesting. And I actually just received a text message, Brad, that ABC has called the governor race in Arkansas. Obviously, no surprise there that Asa Hutchinson has won re-election inside of uh, the state and, uh, and will be returning to the will be returning to the governor's mansion here in Arkansas. Very interesting stuff going on there. Excuse us. Like I said, we're right now trying as hard as we can, working our little computers off as quick as we can to get you these race results as soon as they're called. Um, give me one moment. All right. Well, now what we're doing, ladies and gentlemen, is uh, we're, of course, we're looking at, we're trying to give you an, as about as an unbiased opinion and look as we can. Uh, I'm obviously watching uh, Fox News, and I know. Please uh, don't don't believe that we're going by that. We're looking at the real, clear politics uh, numbers as they show up live. And um, honestly, right now it's showing 203 pretty much solid Democrat seats in the House, 194 solid Republican seats in the House. With 38 toss-ups. Now, the interesting fact that I'm seeing here, Michael, is that as you go to these toss-ups, the interesting thing here, Michael, is I'm seeing more red right now shifting over here towards the Democrat side, if I'm reading this correct. So that's the thing about it um, that's interesting to me is what are we looking at uh, as far as the House? And that's what we're going to focus on tonight, obviously, the Senate is uh, it's um, the Senate. The Senate's gonna be basically uh, looks to stay within control of the the Democrats or the Republicans, but the Democrats. The House race is what we're looking at now. This just coming in, it's looking like Florida could restore voting rights for most convicted felons, according to the New York Times. With 66% of precincts reporting, Amendment 4 has 64% of the vote. Now, that's, that's to me, you know, that's one of those issues where um, I, I don't necessarily believe that you, can res- you should restrict a felon the opportunity to vote, uh, especially in a situation where that felon may have committed his crime um, a long time ago and has learned from him his, his mistakes and has bettered himself. Uh, one, uh, it's worth noting now that there's a one in three chance now that the Republicans win control of the House as it's now dropped to 35%. So, again, like we said, those numbers are starting to uh, trickle back down towards the Democratic control. And, uh, again, like I said, I guess everybody's watching the House. Everybody's keeping an eye on the House because it's pretty much a guarantee that I think we're looking at three or four races right now, as of now. Uh, The Kentucky Six, obviously the two Florida races, the Senate and uh, the gubernatorial race, and then the Georgia gubernatorial race as well. Uh, Like Michael said, Asa Hutchinson declared the winner in Arkansas. 
I don't think that really shocks anybody uh, at all. Um, you know, Asa being in Arkansas, which is still predominantly a uh, a red state, um, you know, and he, I don't think that Henderson stood a chance in Arkansas, but I don't think you guys tune in to hear us talk about the state of Arkansas with there being so much on the line with uh, these races. Um you know, again, there's a couple of amendments that affect Arkansas. You have the minimum wage amendment, which would move Arkansas's minimum wage to $11 an hour by the year 2022, which is a hot topic uh, when it comes to, uh, you know, people in, in fair wage uh, accordances in, in across the country. Um, but I think that, that you're looking at, at these races like the Kentucky Six. 91% uh, of the precincts reporting and bar leading uh, McGrath. So that's an interesting one because they talked about that being a, 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 not an indicator, but that could be spelling some trouble. Now, O'Rourke, with 39% of the population voting in, has a slight edge over Ted Cruz. But, again, I think once we get maybe into some of that uh, – the more uh, different areas of Texas that, that Cruz may regain the lead over here. Now, this is the interesting part right here. 93% coming in so far. Republican uh, Ron DeSantis leading Gillum 50% to 48.8. So that one being too close to call, but it's getting very close. A difference of 90,234 votes in the state of Florida. That is really 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 too close to call at this point uh as we're watching this return in uh would be a huge statement for the democrats to to put andrew gillum as governor in florida will it happen it's not out of the realm of possibility obviously um uh michael how if you would could you point me over here to, to that page you were looking at before uh well you're already on it right so we're going to pull that up on the monitor we're going to pull that up on the monitor uh, we're, again, ladies and gentlemen, I know you're tired of probably hearing me talk. I'm tired of hearing me talk. Uh, we're uh, we're waiting on uh, Sean Castleberry to to be able to join us. Uh, and again, we're going to throw numbers at you right now. Uh, the premise of this show: we're not paid by any news organization of any kind or ordinary everyday average citizens who probably you know meet the um that medium level you know we're we're like legitimately i guess you would say nobodies to a degree um but we just want to bring you guys the, the best in coverage that we can and and obviously these numbers are coming in left and right i mean and and it's early <clears throat> and uh it's early uh clark tucker is leading french hill right now uh in his bid which is a shocker in the state of Arkansas. Um, the the namesake of French Hill, the incumbent, obviously could potentially be that could be a that would be a major upset in the state of Arkansas. Now, gubernatorial race starting to get uh, starting to close a little bit. Now, for all of those, for everybody that's uh, interested in the minimum wage increase in the state of Arkansas, uh, with with zero precincts reporting, but uh, a ton of votes coming in. The issue five, the increase 
looks to be leading at this time 75% to 25%. And, ladies and gentlemen, I believe Sean Castleberry is now able to join us. Sean, are you with us? Yes, yes. Very sorry for that delay. Oh, I am. I'm, I, I apologize to everyone that had to hear me ramble, Sean. This is. I've been trying to do my best to 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 keep everybody informed. Obviously, as close as this has been, things are changing left and right. You know, I mean, it is. <clears throat> we've been up, we've been down, and sideways, and in every other way, but the right way apparently. Well, I think you uh, you sold us a. a... You know, gave us too much credit a while ago when you said we were uh, what mediocre. I, I think we're all below average. So, yeah, we'll be honest there. <laughs> all right, Sean. Here we. This is big here, Sean. There are still votes left in Miami-Dade and Broward counties, which are very Democratic. But Gillum and Nelson are both down by one percent, with more than ninety percent of the vote in. Gillum was consistently ahead of DeSantis in the polls while Nelson and Scott was expected to be very close. But the results right now suggest that Republicans may win both of those key races in the state of Florida. Man, that's disappointing. I mean, for, for my side, at least. And, I mean, that's been a huge race, you know, that the uh, Democrats have been – you know, hanging their hats on, especially Gilliam wanting to uh, make history in that case, you know, being the first elected uh, African-American governor. And right now, ABC News has projected that a Democratic win in Maryland 7 and a Republican win in the Ohio 8. But, Sean, I don't know if you heard us, but the balance of power, the chances for the Senate have changed drastically. We went from 1 in 12 at the top of the hour to Forty-five minutes later, we're at three and seven for the Republicans to retain control of the House. They went from a less than ten percent chance. Now they're at a forty-two point three percent chance. And the reason why I bring that up to you, Sean, remember Donald Trump yesterday said that there very well could be a twenty sixteen-like uh, situation where all the polls are wrong. I mean, it's still early, and we don't know what's going to happen in the next hour, you know, and 15 minutes through the rest of the night, but definitely Republicans, you've got to say, are outperforming right now. Uh, That's the way it looks so far, which, uh, again, to me is pretty disappointing. It just uh, goes to show that young people do not vote, and Democrats do not tend to vote during midterm elections. Uh, if all the Democrats did get together and they did vote like they should, this would be a complete blowout. But I am not really surprised. I would actually uh, be surprised if the Republicans didn't control, you know, gain more control during this election at this point. Right, well, Sean, can you kind of uh, can you elaborate on why? It would not shock you for that. Well, I mean, again, you know, what, what I said before when we when we first started and I had a chance to speak a little bit, uh, the pendulum swings both ways. And it's been swinging hard right for a long time now, uh, two years. And with everything that was going on over the last couple of months, all of the news about Kavanaugh, you know, that left a, a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths right there. Um, you know, as far as people – Seeing that as an attack against Kavanaugh personally, 
Um, you know, no, I, I, I don't think a proper investigation was done, but that's that's me personally. Um, the whole caravan issue that they've been talking about, they've been talking about this caravan coming into the United States. To me, it's a scare tactic. These people are a thousand miles away. If they walked nonstop, they wouldn't get here for six months. Um, it's it's just not going to happen. And I don't know who was behind it. I don't like conspiracy theories and all that other stuff. But, you know, it is an unfortunate, you know, happening that this became mainstream news and that, you know, uh, Trump was able to actually latch on to that and, and, and throw out more of his rhetoric against what he called fake news and everything. So, uh, I don't know. Uh, Democrats historically do not vote during midterms. Uh, millennials don't really vote at all. You know, again, that's just very disappointing. If millennials came out to vote, they outnumber the baby boomers right now. Uh, you know, both outnumber Generation X, and Generation X is not going to sway any election either way. It, it is the smallest generation. Uh, but you know, for people not to to go out and, and you know, it's your constitutional right. You sh- you should all go out there and vote. People died for this right. And they just sit at home. Yeah, what what is my vote count? These are actually the most important elections because these control the House, the Senate, and, and these are the lawmakers that change what's going on in America today. So if you like what's going on, cool. If you want to keep it the way it is, then just stay home. Don't don't vote. You know, it, but then don't bitch about it. Come you know tomorrow morning. You know when when everything stays in control, of the Republicans' hands. Well, well, Sean, uh, while you were talking, I've uh, got some projections now that Republican Mike Braun will will unseat uh, Joe Donnelly in Indiana. So that has now been called by AB, or AP, and the AP has now called the Kentucky 6th District for Republican Representative Andy Barr. So that... Um, that was being touted, Sean. I don't know how much you've kept up with it. Obviously, you work just like we do. So, you know, we've we've all been busy. But they said that one of the key indicators to how this thing could go was that uh, the Kentucky Six, and we now know that as, as hard fought as uh, Miss McGrath fought, that Andy Barr, the Republican, has been pronounced the winner in uh, the Kentucky Sixth District. Not surprising. And uh, so, Sean, I want to ask you this. Let me, and, and this is just uh, obviously we 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 everyone knows that that's listened before that you do have a very um, liberal viewpoint. Uh, do you think that there's any possibility that we're seeing sort of a disdain vote against uh, the perceived option that, that you know because it's been stated out there. That you know, if if the Democrats control the House, which Fox News is still reporting, there's an 81 percent probability that the Democrats take the House. Um, yeah. But do you do you think that there's that look that that you know instead of moving forward, that a lot of people have said they're going to further the Russian probe and things of that nature? Do you think that there's a group of even Democrats out there that are going, okay, look? We've searched for two years. We really haven't found much. 
can we move for more issues like infrastructure, wage increases, things of that nature, and stop attacking, you know, the uh, uh, trying to receive Donald Trump or impeachment proceedings? I mean, do you think possibly that there's some backlash within the Democratic Party? No, no, I don't. I don't think there's any backlash at all. Most of the liberals and the progressives that I interact with and speak with, they, they, they can't stand what's going on. They want change. They want to go back to the way it was uh, before and with even more change. Um, again, you know, this is, this is laziness on the parts of the Democrats. They, they're not going to show up and vote like they should. Um, but a big problem with uh, the Democratic Party uh, in general is they keep playing social uh, politics. They keep playing identity politics instead of actually talking about the issues. And I think well, that is what hurts Democrats the most. And, you know, the second thing is that there is no real clear leader in the Democrat Party. Nowhere. Not one. Well, not a single leader stands out. Sean, I want to break in real quick because just a quick search here. I do have the results currently for the 2018, the Arkansas second and this will probably bring a smile to your face. Clark Tucker with the 61.7% advantage right now to French Hills, uh, to French Hills 37%. Very shocking that that race hasn't been called yet. And, you know, I think that's a little bit telling, in my opinion. You know, Asa, Asa was able to be called almost immediately. French Hills in some trouble right now. Um. I don't know. I mean, the, the the polls have closed, right? Correct. Yeah, I mean, they're they're still they're they're going to keep counting this all night long. I mean, when it when it comes, you know, to to races that are this close, you're not going to get results till two, three in the morning. You know, especially when it's an incumbent like that. You know, it's just it's just not going to happen. Um, I'm not hopeful that this is going to turn out my way. I think uh, right. once all the votes come in, it's going to go back, you know, to you know the Republican side. Now, does it make me feel good that he that he put up a hell of a fight? Absolutely. But until all those results come in, I, I wouldn't dare try to call it. And I do want to take a moment to call some races while we're talking about this. Democratic wins in the Florida twenty-seven, Kentucky three, and the Maryland three. A Republican picked up a victory in the Oklahoma two. Right now, the balance of power in the House. A five and eight chance that the Democrats uh, gain the advantage, and a three and eight chance that the Republicans retain advantage. So it is now kind of correcting itself back, as it's down to thirty-seven point eight percent chance that the Republicans will retain the House. But you know, we were talking earlier about this, and uh, this is a thing, though. Uh, like I said, very, very shocking. You know, and I want you to kind of go at this, though. Um. With um, the gentleman, Jared Henderson, who challenged Asa Hutchinson, I understand that Arkansas doesn't tend to uh, turn over after one-term governors. They tend to elect governors two terms at a time. But I tell you, the one thing that stood out to me, I saw, I don't know how many Asa Hutchinson ads, how many Jared Henderson ads did you see? And I believe that's the biggest problem. He wasn't out there. Nobody knew who he was. I didn't see any at all. It, and I believe that I, could I be what cost the gentleman the election. Well, I mean, this is a red state. This is a very conservative state. 
So, I mean, unless you had someone as charismatic as Bill Clinton come in and run for governor, it's not going to flip. Well, I mean, I don't want to say that it's totally impossible. I mean, you had a guy like Mike Beebe who was very, very popular. I mean, at one point, Democrats were grooming him to potentially think about running in a presidential uh, race because he was so popular in the state of Arkansas. And, of course, about four and a half minutes away from our next poll closings at the uh, top of the hour. But, uh, I mean, that's the uh, thing about it. It's not impossible for a Democrat to win here, especially when you look at just recent history like Mike Beebe, who easily defeated Asa Hutchinson. Well, I wouldn't say that it's impossible, but it's it's highly improbable uh, given today's political climate. Arkansas is not a liberal or progressive state. It's just not known for that. You know, this is a very conservative state in the heart of the Bible Belt. So uh, it doesn't swing very often. Uh, again, with, with President Trump in power, you know, he – really charges the conservative, especially here. I mean, you guys get on Facebook. You guys see all the debates and everything that's going on. I mean, it's uh, it's surprising. Uh, I was listening to, to the public radio here uh, locally the other day, and they were talking about how uh, the minimum wage it may actually pass. You know, that's that's a moderate thing that has happened here in Arkansas that people may actually support. Uh, just like with gay marriage, most people do support gay marriage in Arkansas now. You know, it's become a little moderate here and there. But here in Arkansas, it goes by little baby steps. It's not like California where they take leaps and bounds trying to lead the country where they need to be. Everything moves at a really slow pace here. So, yeah, I mean, as far as it flipping blue, it's not going to happen anytime soon. So I mean, Sean, let's say that uh, let's say that somehow it happens and the Republicans retain a majority in the House, which obviously now uh, it is correcting itself a little bit, and it's looking like that may not happen. But let's say it did. Would that be a referendum, as Brad said earlier, on this negativity towards Trump from the media, or would that be, you know, more like what I said, a gift? from the American people, and they need to uh, use it, utilize it very well heading into 2020 or else we're in trouble. Well, um, if the Republicans retain the House, I think that's actually harmful to a Bush, I mean, I'm sorry, a a Trump re-election. He's even said that he would want the House to flip so that he has something to go against. Uh, that's something that he's looking forward to. He he has said he hopes that that happens um, because, again, it gives him something to fight. If they regain control, I mean, if they you know keep control, uh, I mean, where are they going to go from here? What, what have they done? They haven't done a lot in the last two years. They're not going to get a lot done in the next two years if, you know, things keep going the way they are. They win the House, then, you know, he's – you know, if the Democrats do finally find a good leader, he's probably going to be voted out. Well, that is something to keep your eye on as far as this goes, is coming up in uh, two more years. You know, we will be sitting here looking at, will Donald Trump be in another four years, or will it be a Democrat? And, you know, a lot of the names I've heard, uh, people like Cory Booker, I believe is his first name, in uh, New Jersey, 
a gentleman who was a big part of the Kavanaugh. But the interesting thing with the Kavanaugh hearing is it looks like a lot of these people are voting, repudiating what happened with Kavanaugh and voting against everything that happened. Yeah, I mean, like I said, the whole Kavanaugh issue really put a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths as far as that goes. People looked at it as a personal attack. Um, he was accused of sexual assault by a woman who passed a lie detector test. Um, she went in front of Congress. She she appeared to be credible in what she said. Um, did he do that? I don't know. Should it have been brought up, you know, 20-something years later? I don't know. But it happened. And he was still confirmed. So, you know, a lot of people probably gave up at that point, you know, uh, as far as, well, if we can't stop this, then, you know, what can we do? They don't even show up to vote. You know, that's what I think is happening now. I, I You know, just the the partisan politics have just gotten so ugly and horrific over the last couple of years. Now, they've always been that way since the beginning of the founding of this country. Really horrific things have happened back and forth. But, I mean, it's just polarized so much. I mean, the, the, the lines are drawn, and, and if you're on one side or another, I mean, just the hate, the animosity – it's just that's what I'm not used to. That's what I've been seeing, and I, I really don't like it. It looks like uh, Beto uh, is coming up on uh, Senator Ted Cruz. Uh, yeah, I was about to say. Senator, yeah, it's with, leaning towards Cruz. Beto's catching up. Yeah, with about 51% in, and uh, we're getting some results in from the top of our closing. Kevin Kramer obviously out to a large lead over – Incumbent Senator uh, Heidi Heitkamp, obviously that just closed. Uh, incumbent John Governor Scott Walker, this is one to watch in a battle with Tony Evers for the Wisconsin governorship. That's another big one to watch. A lot of Democrats have circled that and said, hey, we can take it this time. Scott Walker's been able to uh, manage to uh, avoid it before. Andrew Cuomo gets the third term as the governor in New York. Uh, no surprise there, really. Uh, third term, very popular governor, as well as the senator, Kirsten Gillibrand, will easily defeat Shell Farley in um, in the New York Senate. So, I mean, some big wins for New York in the Senate, uh, or for the Democrats in the Senate. Amy Klubacher, I believe is how you say her name, will be victorious as well. But we also have some uh, House races to call. The Republicans win seven House races, the Kentucky 6, the North Carolina 10, the Ohio 4, 5, and the Oklahoma 4, South Carolina 5, and Tennessee 7. Uh, ABC also is going to project the Democrats win the Georgia 4, 13, and the Pennsylvania 2 and 3. The balance of power in the House right now, the Democrats 47, the Republicans 52. Uh, it is a 4 and 9 point. Four and nine chance that the Republicans will uh, retain their majority now. We're up to a 45.4% chance. Once again, obviously outperforming anything that the uh, – if you listened once, kind of like 2016, if you listened to the pollsters and the media, the Republicans didn't stand a chance in the House. And yet again, the American voters seemingly say, hey, it's not you guys that decide, it's us. 
and I mean, that's all I can call it, Sean. I mean, obviously Trump says his name's not on the ballot, but it appears that it is in a big way. Well, he's really uh, emboldened his uh, his base, uh, and I mean, look at—he's been campaigning for two years as well. What pre- what other president has been doing that in the first two years of their, you know, uh, term? Nobody. But that's all he's been doing, you know. But between golfing and you know campaigning, you know, these rallies that he does, uh, yeah, it's just unheard of. So he's he's keeping his base energized as he goes around and does all this. I mean, it, it's a brilliant strategy, you know, if, if he wants to, you know, do what he's doing and, and you know, keep his party in power. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously, Bob Men- Menendez, uh, we called that one earlier, uh, called over Bob Hugan in New Jersey. So no surprise there that New Jersey stays Democratic. You know, that is the interesting thing. New Jersey stays Democratic as far as national races but tends to be more Republican at um, in their state races. Uh, that's one of the more interesting things. In Tennessee Senate, Marsha Blackburn has defeated Phil Bresden 62.1% to 36.7% in uh, the Tennessee Senate race. So obviously the Republicans winning that seat. Uh, you know, it's been a shellacking Honestly, in my opinion, in the Senate, 46 to 39 right now, it's been a pretty good shellacking uh, for the Republicans picking up a, picking up victories all over the place in the Senate. They're um, the Democrats' best chance right now really to pick up a statement victory is they're making some noise down there with Beto. Yeah, yeah, it looks like it's uh, going to be really, really close to be another all-nighter. Uh, like what we were talking about here in Arkansas, um, you know, oh, by the way, uh, the initiative to raise the minimum wage looks like it may pass here in Arkansas. You're absolutely right, Sean. And, you know, listening to uh, want to welcome, probably not on the line, but listening in, uh, a couple of callers, uh, Lisa O'Brien listening in as well, Sean, want to say hello to her. And, and actually, you know, we're on Clear and Convincing, which is their program. Her and her and Michael, and you can listen to that on Tuesday nights. Of course, tonight we wanted to bring you the election coverage. We've been doing Talk Radio 49 now, Sean, for three or four years collectively, five years, and this is the first one we've done. So, and and me and you, Sean, haven't been on the air together in, in quite some time. So it's too good to go back and forth with you. And uh, wanted to tell you thanks for 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 taking the time to do this with me. Oh, absolutely. I miss it. Yeah, definitely. Um, we're we're looking right now with uh, 2% reporting uh, Beto O'Rourke with a slim 50.1 to 49.3 margin over Ted Cruz. Uh, the third-party candidate, Neil, diving with a .06. And so, Sean, let's, let's get away from, from the races right now and talk about the uh, the independents uh, that run in these races, you know, uh, I like to call them the monkey wrenches because it seems like you know they are the that uh, they are the stop in some of the the cogs in the wheels of uh, some of these major guys like that 0.6 percent that that could have possibly gone to Cruz have gone to to uh, Cruz instead, of, but now it's going to this guy, kind of eerily similar to. 
Now, not that that race is over by any stretch of the imagination, but it, it, it harkens me back to the Ross Perot effect of where a lot of people say that had Perot not been in that race, that that uh, I believe it was, was it Clinton? That Bill Clinton would not have been allowed or would not have won the presidency, Sean. So, you know, talk to me about, obviously, independent uh uh, candidates are great for the system because I, re- you know, being a conservative-minded individual, I still am open to that moderate look. You know, I'm not as progressive as as you are, but I'm not as conservative as, as say Michael. Like, there's that medium fine ground there. But you know, Sean, talk to me about the independence in some of these races. Uh, obviously, it, it gives them a shot, and, and I'm not don't want to discredit them. But do you think they play uh, – how much factor are these independent candidates in races of this magnitude? Well, I think they're very important. They do take away votes, and every vote does count. Um, I personally don't – I mean, we have we, we have a majority two-party system, you know, Republican-Democrat. I, I, don't, I don't like the independents uh, coming in and, and doing what they do, whether it's Tea Party or Libertarian or whatever. They're just too small, and, and they, they, they take away from either of the larger parties, and they, they, they do hurt you know, uh, usually the incumbents you know, when, when that happens. Um, it is our democratic system. I mean it, it is how it works, so I just personally don't like it. Uh, you know, we're going to have a two-party system, then that's fine. You know, add those on there. But, you know, I do wish we would have a stronger third party, a more moderate party. I, you know, that would be great, you know, if we could do that. But, you know, these independents seem to be even more extreme than the others. You know, the Green Party, the Libertarians, you know, they just they're, – they're everywhere, you know. So they're, they're loose cannons. And they tend to take people that are just not happy with either side, and that's what really does hurt. You know, uh, instead of looking at it as uh, voting for the lesser of two evils, well, then I'm going to vote for this guy. You know, I, I that, that's what that's why it sucks for me. That's why I don't like it. And, and I think Sean, you know, I know that we disagree on a lot of stuff, but I agree there. And you know, and I've and I've actually stated that opinion on to several people, and they they said, well, then. You know, the, the third party will never – I don't believe, honestly, that the third party will ever rise to prominence in the United States. And and so I don't want to discredit the third party for trying, but I just don't think it'll work. I think there's a way for that third party to maybe find a way to enthrall this, just like the, the Ted Cruz race. I mean, there's 25,000 votes for the independent. Now, find a way for that guy – well – you know, just find a way for that guy to to, to get those twenty five thousand votes to matter. You know, let's let's take that movement and let's move it towards what we've got is apparently what we've got, and we're not going to change that. But two political yes. party systems, I don't see it changing. You know, in my lifetime. Now, honestly, you know, being from Arkansas and the way things have progressed, I would have honestly liked to. I could have told you that I would have never expected for lottery to be allowed in the state of Arkansas. I would have never expected marijuana to be legalized medically in the state of Arkansas, and I say that medically because that's what it was. You know, those, there's there's a lot of progression that the state's taken. It just seems like other states, uh, like you said, tend to move in third gear while we're, we're stuck in first, 
and I think that that seeing if and I don't know, have you gotten a, a call on have you gotten a call on issue four, Sean? The casino gambling. A casino gambling looks like it is. Uh, it's really close, but it, it we're, it's in favor of the the casinos right now. And I, and I think that's good. I know a lot of people go, okay, well, if you're going to bring casino gambling into the state of Arkansas, you're going to raise the debt. Here's the problem with that argument to me. The problem with that is is that these people still have basically the same virtues of going to Oakland or going to Southland Park. I think what you do by restricting casino gaming in the state of Arkansas is you hurt the potential for jobs, and and that's something that we need, and that's something that, that – um, that needs to be on the rise. Wages and jobs need to be on the rise. Uh, just report. Well, we got a refresh here, unless you did that, Michael. I was going to read this to you. Uh, right now, the it's a forty-five point seventy-five chance, forty-five percent chance, almost forty-six, that the Republicans will. Uh, well, now it's just moved down to forty-three. But I mean, forty-three, forty-five. There's not much difference there. Forty-three uh, percent chance. It's going to be interesting to see. Um, I can go ahead and say that the, the Democrats will win 11 House races. Uh, New Jersey's one, New York five, 16, Texas nine, 13, 20, 28, 30, 34, 35, and Wisconsin two. And the Republicans will go ahead and pick up 10 seats in the House with AR one, Arkansas three, North Carolina 11, uh, North Dakota, Alabama, Texas one, Texas 11, 13, 26, 27. Uh, and Wyoming and Alabama. So uh, going back to what I was saying, though, these casino amendments, and, I, and I, the reason we're, we're, get, we're not getting away from the national election, but just to have some fodder back between the two of us, uh, Sean, you know, I think that the casinos would offer uh, jobs. And, and, and I granted now issue four only allows for the uh, issuance of four casinos at the moment. But I think just like any other thing, it's a gateway to progress in the state. You know, um, just like when Amazon did, set up their distribution in the state of Arkansas, opened up jobs, their minimum wage is $15 an hour. More money into the economy is, is great for, the, for, for any economy to sustain itself. Uh, yeah, you, I mean, to, to a point, you're, you're right. Um, I lived in Vegas for a while, you know, Casino Central. Uh, it, it's pretty cool, you know. I haven't been to Tunica, so I don't know what that's like. Um, and we do have Oakland, and then we have the, uh, the the dog racing down there, West Memphis. Um, I I really don't see a problem with it. It doesn't bother me at all. It, it, it the, the only thing that I guess gets, you know, uh, negative, you know. Uh, Rhetoric about the casinos, which, you know, it is true that, that people do tend to develop gambling problems and, and you know, become degenerate gamblers, uh, which, again, they can always go to Mississippi or, you know, down to Oakland or, you know, West Memphis and do that anyway, which a lot of people do. But you, know, you make it a lot easier for people to get that bug and to get to get caught, uh, you know, up in that. But, again, I lived in Vegas. Uh, yeah, it, 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 it's, it's kind of bad, but – it's also very good, obviously, for the economy, and uh, it's a lot of fun, you know. Uh, so, I would only worry about people that that have addictive personalities that are going to get caught up in, you know, the gambling bug and everything. I think, you know, that 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 has a tendency to happen here in Arkansas. There's a lot of addictiveness here in Arkansas. 
Uh, right, you know, and especially, you know, obviously anyone that's listening that uh, you can listen, you know, obviously there is a, a, a drug e- epidemic that centers around uh, Arkansas and certain places in Arkansas, you know, methamphetamines being one of the higher ones. So, I mean, you're, you're absolutely correct on the addictive aspects of Arkansas, but, uh, you know, if you go back and you think uh, the accessibility to casino gaming, if you're up in northwest Arkansas, you know, um, you have you know all the, the casinos up there, the Cherokee casinos, the Oklahoma casinos. If you're up in northeast Arkansas, you have the accessibility to Memphis. And, and then, of course, Memphis is only a short drive away from Tunica. Having been to Tunica several times and, and never being to Vegas, Sean, I, I would say that if I had to make a comparison, it's almost like a mini Vegas. You pull into an area, yeah. you know, and you have a casino yeah. strip. Um, uh, so it'd be more like Reno. Yeah, and NBC uh, Sean has now projected that the House will move Democratic. Uh, NBC calling the House for the Democrats, so that's uh, something really? interesting that they just called that. Um, ABC uh, ABC News projecting Democratic wins in in uh, Massachusetts, New Jersey, and in, in New Jersey eight, and Republican wins in West Virginia. Uh, these are. I don't see it yet. As in, the chance for the Republicans win is still at forty three point four. Now we haven't had a refresh on real clear, real, real clear politics, but uh, NBC News projecting that. But uh, things that I'm looking at here, I, I don't see it um, coming up here. So I don't know yeah, yet on that either. one. Uh, you know, I don't see it being called. And uh, our feed for the television went down again, so we're trying to pull that back up. But uh, it would be interesting to see the casino amendment and the minimum wage amendments uh, here in the state of Arkansas. I know a lot of people like it. Some people don't. Um, and, and we'll just, you know, have to see how it plays out. It runs its course uh, once it's implemented. But, uh, again, we're trying to, to pull up. Sean, are you seeing any information out of Georgia right now? Nothing yet. I'm not either. Uh, of course, I'm. Of course, I'm looking at local news because the internet is just fried right now. Okay. Where I'm at. All right. What we're seeing right now. Uh, thank you, Michael, pulling it up. Twenty-five percent uh, reporting right now that Brian Kemp with a sixty-two point eight percent to thirty-six point five percent lead over Stacy. Abrams. So it looks like right now we still have seventy five percent to of the polls to report. But um it looks like right now, and obviously they're not calling it, but a comfortable lead at the moment uh, for the Republican incumbent. Now the thing about it is going over here to the Senate election results, Sean, uh in Florida, uh I mean super close, fifty point four percent to forty nine point six. Rick Scott leading Bill Nelson. Your take on that one? I'm not familiar with that race at all, so I apologize for that. If you give me some clarity on that. Rick Scott is the former governor of Florida. Oh, the governor. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, he's a former governor. So he lost. No. 
Rick Scott is uh, the former governor of Florida. He was running for the Senate seat in Florida uh, against Bill Nelson, uh, the Democrat, and he looks to be leading in the state of Florida right now um, for the Senate seat in okay, Florida sir. over Rick incumbent Bill okay, Nelson, yeah, but it's hour. very close. Yeah, about an hour ago they were calling it the other way. So, yeah, yeah, okay. So now he wants to go to the Senate. Okay. Looks like, yeah, that's that's not surprising. Florida, Florida's pretty conservative at times. And now the governor race, obviously one I think you've kind of focused on for the for 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 multiple reasons, but I think the big one it would be the statement of electing an African American to the first governor's spot. Uh, Andrew Gillum is trailing uh, Ron uh, DeSantis, a Trump supporter, forty nine point nine percent to forty eight point nine percent, with fifteen percent of the uh, population or voting percentage reporting. Um, 85% reporting 15% left. So very close races in both the Senate and the uh, the governor's races in the state of Florida. Well, still too close to call, I guess. Texas is now razor thin. Of course, Beto O'Rourke leading 51.2% to 48.2% with 2% of the population voting reporting. So you know, there's another one, Sean, that uh, is going to be a close one. Uh, French Hill starting to kind of close the gap a, t- a little bit uh, with 8% re- reporting. Uh, Clark Tucker, 50.9% to 47.4% in that race. And, you th- you know, and that's the thing is uh, a lot of the ads down here, Sean, was instead of French Hill, it was French Toast. And... And uh, ah. so I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, I, and it says also Texas Governor Greg Abbott has been reelected as expected. Interesting that Abbott won easily, while Ted Cruz's race has not been called yet against Beto O'Rourke. I mean, Sean, what do you? Is there anything you can take away from that? That the governor of Texas won easily, but I mean, could you not say that Ted Cruz would be the uh, if, if you talk about political uh, monuments in the state of Texas, you instantly, I would think that you would go the Bushes and then Cruz. But now the Bushes are no longer really involved in the state of Texas. Would you not first think Ted Cruz when you thought politics in the state of Texas? I know a few conservatives there, and they're diehards, so they were pushing for Cruz. But I think what hurt Cruz was how – Trump attacked him during the presidential election and really demeaned him. And then just a few weeks ago, you know, Cruz pretty much just bent the knee and, uh, you know, kissed his hand in front of everybody. And, uh, you know, I think that rubbed a lot of Texans the wrong way and they didn't like that at all. They would much rather him just, uh, you know, stood his ground and, you know, just been who he normally is. I mean, Trump got really personal and said some horrible things about his wife and his father, and he's just smiling and shaking his hand and everything like that. So he he looks weak. So if Beto beats him, that's going to be why, is because he just projects weakness at this point. 
And honestly, uh, as even leaning towards a more conservative viewpoint, uh, I would literally cast my support for Beto O'Rourke on the aspect that I just I don't care for Ted Cruz uh, at all. Now, ABC News is projecting a Democratic wins in Colorado 1, New Jersey 10, New York 6, New York 7, and New York 10, while the they're also projecting the Republican wins in Missouri 4, New Jersey 4, Ohio 2, Texas 19, and West Virginia 3 now. Uh, hey, they're also projecting that Republican Kay Ivey will win her gubernatorial race in the state of Alabama. So, interesting. And um, as we've had some poll closings within the last 30 minutes, uh, Real Clear Politics is, is saying, uh, 538.com, excuse me, is reporting that uh, the Republicans have now jumped up to a 46.6% chance uh, to win control of the um, House. So I don't know where the and, – uh, and, again, watching the news right now, Sean, uh, there's about a uh, – here it is. Rick Scott leading Bill Nelson by a difference of 68,417 votes in the state of Florida with 93% showing. Uh, the Senate race between Kristen Cinema. The Democrat and Martha Scalaley too close to call, while uh, Mike Braun gained a Senate seat over the incumbent Joe Donnelly. Uh, Phil Scott, the Republican incumbent, uh, winning over Christine Hawquist in Vermont as governor. Of course, Kevin Stitt uh, winning the Oklahoma governorship over Democrat Drew Edmondson. And then um, Gina Raimondo, the Democrat, Again, we've, we may have already called this, uh, retaining her seat as governor in her respective state. So here, here it is, Sean, the, the big news of the night. The, sur- the suburbs have come up huge for Democrats so far. First, the Virginia 10th, and now the Colorado 6th Republican Mike Kaufman's district with 65% reporting Democrat Jason Crowley's 54 to 43%. So... Uh, and the minimum wage, Sean, in the state of Arkansas is at 70% now. So if that thing still tracks the way that it looks to be tracking, uh, it looks like the minimum wage increase will be set into motion in the state of Arkansas uh, at the end of uh, tonight's election. And voter ID law looks like it's going to pass as well, which is, uh, you know, pretty disappointing for me, but. Yeah, it looks like an overwhelming victory for that. Uh, yeah, and you know, and I was there's a couple of other amendments or, or issues or whatever they call them that uh, were on there that it were struck down. Um, uh, it went inside the court before they ever made the ballot. A couple of those I really did agree with. I, I am a huge, I'm a huge supporter of term limits. Uh, you know, and I think. I think term limits, and I wanted to talk to you about that too. Uh, we see a lot of these uh, strongholds in the, the House seats and the Senate seats and things of that nature. You know, Sean, I don't believe that someone should be allowed to be a senator or a congressman for 30-plus years. I think I think a way to help filter in the millennial movement uh, and even – my generation, who, like I said, I'll be 40 uh, Monday, uh, I think is to 
you know, to give give us some hope that these 70-ish, 80-ish year old guys aren't going to be calling the shots anymore because let's be honest, do they really care about what me or you or a 28-something, 28-year-old Michael really thinks when they're 80 and they're not going to be around much longer anyway. So they're trying to benefit themselves for the most part. Um, I think that you invoke term limits. You know, I know a lot of people don't like Mike Huckabee, but I believe he was in support of term limits. Um, and and that was one thing that I was shocked to see. But I support term limits. Do you think that we'll ever see term limits in the House and in, in the Senate? Uh, well, no, uh, not in our lifetime. Uh, they're right where they want to be, and if they can stay in there for 20, 30-plus years, that's exactly what they're going to do because then they can hold on to those seats and do what they can to keep control of what they're doing. Uh, I would love to see term limits personally myself uh, because, as you know, put in as much change as possible. Um, I, I believe that would force more bipartisan politics. Um, again, you know, looking back in, in, in our, you know, childhood and, and when, when Reagan was president, when Bush was president, the, 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 the other sides had to cross the lines and negotiate, and they had to work together. Um, it, it doesn't seem like uh, – it must have been when Bill Clinton was in office. That's when it really started to get, you know, the lines were drawn. Well, we're just going to do this, and we're going we're gonna to stay here. Um you just don't see it anymore, uh, the Democrats or the Republicans working together, and, and that's what we need. We need more moderates. We need people to get in there to actually compromise and, and negotiate because you know, this going one side or another, it's just it's too much. It, it's not good for us. And, and you know, given even all the skeletons in the closets of probably myself, you, or, or Michael, one of the biggest things that I think if I was even remotely on the political scene, that would would uh, would not allow me to to run for any kind of office, and I would be voted out consistently. Is that I honestly believe that there should be you either invoke term limits or you invoke a uh, invoke something to where the that Congress and and whatever bill that they pass, they have to abide by themselves. But like you said, why would you? get rid of your your seat that you're sitting in and your comfortable salary and your free health care for the entire rest of your life while the rest of us have to struggle 40, 50, 60, 70-hour work weeks, and we still, a lot of us can't afford to uh, pay uh, health insurance. Now, I, I'm a single man, um, and so I don't have a family that I have to help support as far as income goes or insurance, but I can tell you this, that you know, the premiums are at an all-time high for, for, for me right now. And obviously, Sean, you being a married man with several kids, uh, you do what you can and what you have to do to take care of them and this and that and the other. But there's there's these people that are making these ridiculous laws and these dick, ridiculous policies are sitting there, and they'll have that health care for the rest of their life. So there's got to be some change made in Washington uh, that, that says, hey, you guys have to abide by the rules that you set in place for everyone else. And I think, like you said, and maybe you disagree with me, but if they had to enact more than, and had to react more to their own policies, I think you would see that bipartisanship show up and they'd be like, you know what, we, we need to, to work on. But I think you have this level of, well, who cares? We, we're just here to, 
to act like we care about you, uh, but we're still going to do this and we still get this and, and it doesn't really matter. That's just my take on it, uh, Sean. Well, in an ideal world, that would be great. Uh, we don't live in an ideal world, so uh, the deck is stacked against the little guy. You know, the middle class is slowly eroding away. We're getting to a point where we just have the rich and the poor, just like they do in Mexico. And, you know, a lot of people don't think there are rich people in Mexico. There are some filthy, disgustingly rich people in Mexico. People just don't go down there to see it. Um, But that's what's happening here. Our middle class is dying. Um, And the politicians, I mean, you know, you look at a a freshman, you know, senator, for example, that goes, you know, what do they do for the first two years while they're there? Well, they're just working to be reelected. That's what they do for two solid years, and then they run again, and then you know just repeat the cycle until they become you know a senior uh, senator, and then they push the same thing on the others because they're just trying to keep control. Uh, most aren't millionaires when they get there, but they become millionaires thanks to lobbyists, thanks to special interest groups, thanks to corporations. You know, uh, who's who are all of our senators right now? Who's that one guy I don't like? Tom Cotton. That guy was not a millionaire when he went to the Senate, and he is now. You know, that should piss yeah. off a lot of Arkansans, especially, you know, because there are a lot of poor people in this state, and he does not have their best interest. He, he, you know, follows the party line. He toes it. He's going to go for Trump, whatever Trump says, no matter what. Tax cuts for the rich. Um, you know, now they're talking about, you know, cutting Medicaid, Medicare, Social Security. You know, these are things that are going to hurt the elderly and the poor. But, you know, people in Congress don't care. They're not on these programs. They have, like you said, programs that will sustain them for the rest of their lives. Why do they care what happens to the little guy? They don't. They really don't care at all. We got to get away from that. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Well, I, mean to, I don't mean to cut you off, Sean, but uh... – you know, as we all know, that uh, a lot of people have accused Fox News of being more of a conservative uh, news organization. It is now. Uh, with 25 minutes left in the show, I guess we have a talking point to talk about. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, Fox News is now reporting that the Democrats will gain House control. So that has now been called by Fox News organization. Wow, that's no one else is doing that except uh, what? Who'd you say? NBC. NBC called it originally, and now Fox News has projected it. Which, you know, Sean, as, as everybody that that's uh, on the progressive movement, uh, the disdain for Fox News. Fox News calling it officially: the Democrats will gain House control. Wow. Well, hopefully they're correct. Um, that would be very good. Um, it looks like Beto is uh, pulled ahead of uh, Cruz as well in Texas by about 30,000 votes. With 5% reporting, Sean, it's uh, 49.9% to 49%. Cruz has shortened the gap a little bit, but again, like I said, this, this libertarian down here has got 1.1%. So, you know, um, it could be the, the the third party could actually help the Democrats this time in that race. But, yeah, uh, the major news of the day 
is that uh, the Fox News reporting that the Repu- Republicans have lost the, the House control. So right now they're showing uh, the Democrats with 77 seats, the Republicans with 75, and uh, a majority of 218 need now 78 to 75. We're still showing the Democrats with a plus two um, net gain, but uh, it appears that they will have the other 21 needed to, to make that 23 number and gain control of the House. So, you know, we will at least be able to call that before we go off the air. Uh, I wish we could call more, but I guess the big news of the night is that uh, what everybody expected to happen is going to happen, and the Republicans will take the keep the Senate but re- relinquish their control of the House, which could is a positive i guess for the progressive movement but like you said before, or like we've talked about earlier it could be a negative for the progressive party in um going to be uh in 2020 now uh Steve Shale is reporting Sean that this is from a Floridian who knows what he's talking about the Florida Senate race is almost surely going to be in recount range with what's out in South Florida, it should get very, very tight. And so, that's yeah, a dead heat fifty right now. Uh, with uh, a million votes in between them, and it's too close to call. And at ninety-three percent reporting, uh, again fifty point five to forty-nine point five. Rick Scott and Bill Nelson. So, uh. You know, a lot of big races uh, tonight that that have been going on, and um, you know, Sean, it, it, uh, let me let's let's take away from what we see right now and what you've heard and, and and know about the elections tonight. Where do you see the political landscape uh, as of 2018? Um, perfectly honest, I I, I have thought about this I've I've talked to my wife about this Um, you know what happened uh, in 2016 was mind blowing to me Um, but what is happening now with the conservative party and I asked myself what are they trying to conserve because the Democrats aren't really trying to take anything away what they want to do is give more to everybody, and it seems that the conservatives only want to conserve white superiority in America, and they are winning by fear-mongering, you know, talking about this caravan, um, talking about, you know, the, the – uh, Black on white crime, you know, all, all, just all the fear mongering that they're throwing out there. And it's just, it's infuriating to me that people don't stop and think about what's being put out there and how the news media is being attacked uh, by the president and by the conservative party. It, it's very disheartening that they call it fake news when they're just reporting the news. Um, but again, the, the conservative sides completely disagree with me. They're on the other side of that line. There is no compromise. There is no you – can't, you can't look at these 
extremist conservatives and give them facts and actually show them where this stuff is wrong. So uh, he has emboldened them through fear on an emotional level to believe what he's saying, and that's why they have been winning. And if it continues, then he could be reelected unless someone of reason on the Democratic Party becomes a strong leader and can actually, you know, energize the entire nation to say, hey, enough is enough. You know, that's my point of view. Right. And, Sean, uh, something that uh, I think is worth noting, and, and 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 it shows that we are at least, I think, moving in sort of the right direction, even though there is that 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 deal there uh with 50% reporting in in Colorado Democrat Jared Polis leads Republican Walker Stapleton 54% to 43% in the race for governor thing about this is that he he should soon clinch the distinction of being the nation's first openly gay governor and ABC oh, News has now called ABC News is now good. calling it, so that's um now if we could if we could have an atheist governor in Arkansas, that would be awesome. Well, Sean, I told you we told you earlier that Lisa was uh listening and she just messaged me. She Asked a question about fear-mongering. She says, what about the woman who wrote the letter to the guy in the Make America Great hat on the plane, worried that he wanted to kill her and her family? You know, that's a very good point. So what's this? Apparently there's a story. Apparently there's Uh a story about a woman who wrote a gentleman a uh, letter because he wore a Make America Great Again hat on a plane, and she wrote him a letter saying that he wanted to kill, that she was worried that he wanted to kill her and her family. That's not exactly reasonable. Well, I don't know all the details of the story. I don't know who she is, her education level, What's her race? Anything like that? Um, there's not a lot of details to this story, and this is the first time I've heard this. Um, yeah, I mean, if she's fearful for a Trump supporter that might kill her, if she's a minority, that could be seen as a legitimate fear all over this country, considering what just happened uh, at the synagogue. You know, with the shooting there by that extremist who happened to be a Trump supporter. You know, not all of these people are Trump supporters that are committing these crimes, but that's a pretty high-profile crime right there. And if, you know, she did this just recently, maybe she was motivated by that. I don't know. Well, now, Sean, I mean, not not, – just to – I guess uh, Michael just pointed out that she, in fact, was a Jewish woman. Um, you know, and then that so, would make a I lot mean, of sense. It does. It does. I it mean, makes that would it make especially. A lot of sense seeing it that, that... Go ahead. No, so it, it, and you're right. It makes it makes a lot of sense. Um, 
it makes a lot of sense given the how recent that incident was, and you just don't yes. know about people. Uh, you know, I can tell you firsthand that I don't own a Make America Great Again hat, but if I did and I was wearing it around town, you know, I can understand where people might get the wrong assumption based on the hat, but I can obviously assure you, and I think you know as well, Sean, that I don't mean anybody any harm, and I wouldn't bring harm to anybody just because of their ethnicity or anything like that. Uh, but I can understand the fear that may have been in that, that lady's mind and, and heart and all, given how recent that that was. I think, though, it's yeah. it, there is a need to clarify that that in a lot of these extremist events that uh, some of these people may have harbored some of these extremist views, and yes, there is a note to Trump's uh, demeanor that may incite some people, but uh, I, you know, I don't I honestly, and not to to create a big to do about it, but I think there was a lot of a lot of this back in. I think there was a lot of empowerment given to certain um, extremist viewpoints against uh, you know white people back when Obama was first elected that I saw on the streets. You know, down here when he was first elected, you know, and I'm not saying it's not right or wrong, Sean, by any stretch of imagination, not throwing it. I just think that some people use the the current landscape to further what they've already had in their heart for a long time before Donald Trump even became president. If you know, if that makes any sense. Well, to a point, I could say that I agree, but. Donald Trump is not a nice guy, and he says what he wants to say, and he uses violent language. He uses racist language. But he John, uses does misogynistic he say, language. Does he say I mean, what it, he it, wants it, to it, say? Well, of course he does. He says exactly what he wants to say, and that's what emboldens – a lot of his followers, you know, when you look at the alt-right and a lot of the white supremacists that really love this guy, um, you know, he's saying exactly what they want to hear. And, but, you know, that's really sad. Yes. But, Sean, my point is this. Does he say what he wants to say or does he say what these people want to hear? The, a lot of people wonder if Donald Trump just says what people want to hear and he doesn't even believe it. Well, that would be stupid. Uh, I believe that he says what he wants to say. I believe that he believes what he is talking, you know, about out there when he calls the media fake news, when he speaks horribly about women. He's very misogynistic. Everyone knows that. He's always been. He doesn't like women, you know. I mean, it's, it's disgusting the things that he has said about women, and he does not like women. He does not like minorities. Um, he has said horrible things about a lot of different minorities and immigrants. I don't know why he is so against immigrants, but you know he's been married to several. Now he wants to close the borders, and not let any of them in. It's just uh, you know this rhetoric, this this nationalist rhetoric that he's throwing out there. I mean, he's even called himself a nationalist now. That's not good, okay? Uh, patriotism is one thing. Nationalism is extremely bad. We don't need a nationalist party. 
we don't need a nationalist leader in this country. It leads to very, very bad things. And he well, should Sean, step back and stop doing all that. Well, Sean, an interesting article came out. Uh, Maxine Waters apparently has support, encouraged people to harass Trump administration officials. Now, the reason why this is interesting to me, one of the big knocks on Donald Trump is that he encourages his supporters to harass protesters. Is this not a little bit yeah. of uh, hypocritical, hypocritical thinking here? Hypocrisy. And that's just the way – hypocrisy, thank you. Is that not a little bit of hypocrisy yeah. there from the Democratic Party? Well, no, I would agree. Uh, you can't fight violence with violence in that way. You know, it's just – it's stupid. And she's coming from an emotional place. She's been personally attacked by the president verbally, um, and I'm sure she lashed out. Uh, hell, she may not even you know, regret it, but that's you know, her choice. If she wants to be a hypocrite in that way, then that's fine. I don't support it. I think it's extremely stupid. I would agree. It's definitely uh, stupid for sure, but, uh, you know, why is she lashing out at the officials rather than Trump himself? I mean, I'm not her. I can't speak for her. You know, if we could get her on the show and talk to her, that would be awesome. Um, but again, you know, she she's, you know, double minority. She's a black woman. So she has a lot going against her anyway as far as how society treats her and how this president probably views her and has said things you know, horribly about women and minorities, especially African-Americans. So if she's taking it personally and is going on the attack, I don't agree with it, but that's, that's her prerogative. That's what she wants to do. She'll probably you know, not do very well. Well, absolutely. Uh, you know, as we continue on, we've got about uh, 11 minutes left. Uh, Beto O'Rourke right now is, according to with 12% in, has lost his lead in the Texas Senate uh, campaign. Uh, Ted Cruz, 50%. To Beto's, 49.4%. Uh, I believe that's a separation. Uh, right now, Ted Cruz has 2.8 million or 2.875 million, and Beto has 2.842. So a very small separation, but he has taken the lead. Here's another interesting one, though, keeping our eye on it. With 1.7%, as you mentioned earlier about the libertarian effect, Joe Swafford of 1.7%, French Hill 47.6%, and Clark Tucker at 50.7%. In the Georgia governor race, Stacey Abrams, obviously the uh, – I believe she was the mayor of Atlanta, right now is uh, losing by almost 20 points to uh, Republican Brian Kemp for the Georgia gubernatorial race, uh, 36% reporting 56.1% to 43%. So obviously a disappointment for Democrats there. They obviously expected pretty easy victory uh, going into tonight. In Florida, it's still as close as ever, 50% to 48.7%. Ron DeSantis holds that two-point lead. And, of course, the Senate race, it gets no closer than this, 50.5% Rick Scott to Bill Nelson's 49.5%.
with 95% reporting. Uh, I mean, we're well within, like they said, though, that uh, recount range. Uh, are, are we looking for a 2,000-type uh, situation with this Senate race in Florida? I don't I'm know sorry, if we're going to... reading the results. Oh, no. It, it, well, Sean, we've got seven minutes uh, left to do here uh, before we lose our uh, access to the live audience. So then everything would be become basically recorded. Uh, so I guess what we'll do is, if things project the way they're projecting, and Fox News calling the House control of um, for the Democrats in the Senate has actually gained a seat to the Republicans. So it looks to be like everything's going to play out the way it that, that it was going to. Uh, now it's going to become, I think, mainly just how many seats uh, gained the majority for the House. So, Sean, before we, we get off here, give us, you being a progressive and a, and a follower of the Democratic Party, what is your what would be your next move uh, as far as what you would like to see with the Democratic Party moving forward, do you do you want to keep going after Donald Trump and the probe, or do you want to try to advance to uh, a more to, to passing more things like for the you know moving the party forward? Uh, I just want the Democratic Party to stop playing identity politics. And actually start hitting hard with real issues like universal health care and getting that passed, uh, getting a federal minimum wage passed so that everyone had a living wage. Um, I mean, just, you know, rebuilding the infrastructure, the things that we actually need, uh, cutting back the military budget, definitely uh, stop these tax cuts for the rich and turn around and, you know, Give back to the middle class. We need to rebuild the middle class in this country. Again, it's slowly dying. If you don't go after these real hardcore issues instead of the stupid identity politics, then we're not going to win, and Trump's going to get 2020. So uh, that's what's going to happen if we don't get a good leader and they don't change their ways. Well, I absolutely agree, Sean. That's one thing I was about to ask you. If the Democrats hold true to their word and they, you know, first thing on uh, in January when they're sworn in and they take control of the House, they reopen the probe into Russia. They uh, continue and, the, you know, there's been word that they're going to try to impeach the president. Uh, that just seems like it doesn't bode well for them in 2020, in my opinion. No, I mean, they're they're not known for doing good things here in the last few years, so it's not going to surprise me if that happens. Um, hopefully it won't happen. You know, hopefully a leader will rise up in the party and say, hey, enough's enough. Let's start focusing on this next election. Let's get somebody in there that can really do something for the American people. Uh, it shouldn't be – the message just shouldn't be about defeating Donald Trump. The message should be about, you know, rebuilding – what could have been the change that President Obama did? Um, you know, he obviously did not do enough. Uh, he could have done a whole lot more, especially when he had the control of the House and the Senate, and they wasted that opportunity. 
So, you know, again, the Republicans kind of wasted their opportunity, and this, you know, looks like tonight they're going to lose that. So uh, they, they've wasted an opportunity over the last two years to really enact things that they could have, you know, to change, you know, good for the country. Uh, unfortunately, they just helped themselves and they helped the rich. So, you know, 2020 could be up for grabs if uh, they keep doing what they're doing. Well, and Sean, uh, it looks like French Hill has opened up a seven-point lead over um, Clark Tucker as 21% of the population is, of precincts are reporting. Uh, I think that if – and they're not going – obviously they're not going to listen to a guy like me or you, but I think if you're the Democratic Party, you need to, to, to listen closely to, to what I'm about to say real quick, and that is that – if you if the voter turnout was as high as it's been, and I think we I think Sean that there may be misconstrued information out there that I think there have been some millennials that have stepped out to vote, and if they have stepped out to vote and they go okay, we're going to give the Democrats the lead in twenty eighteen in the House, then I think that the Democrats in office that that have gained the House now need to go. The the public has spoken. They don't appreciate what Trump's done and what the Republicans have done, and they want to see some change. Now, they may be saying, well, we just want to get it, put him in there and fight against everything. But I think the Democrats, if they want to regain the presidency in 2020, need to use the tools that were given them to them tonight on a, on a historic night when the uh, it breaks the, you know, the historic trend of the of the House switching over away from the presidential control for the affiliation of the political party, that they need to take this opportunity and they need to pass actual legislation and they need to get away from all of the 2016 issues like the Russia probe and, and all this. And they need to put that to bed and actually try to advance the country in a more progressive form. Or we might see backlash in the, in some of the democratic votes or not just backlash, but maybe you. This is an opportunity to to gain the interest of the millennial vote, and say, "Hey, look, look what we did. We had a massive turnout. We 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 took control of the house, and we actually listened to your voice, your vote that we say counts, and made it count. Or it could backfire on them if they choose to go. Let's impeach the president. Let's do this. It, it could backlash. So this is a big opportunity for the. De- for the Democratic Party, Sean, and we got 90 seconds, so I'm going to let you wrap it up, Sean. Well, hopefully you're right. Hopefully it is a big opportunity, and the uh, the left wakes up and seizes uh, what power they can and influences the next election. Uh, hopefully we won't wait two years before you hear from us again. Uh, we'll get together periodically and uh, discuss some of the issues. Uh, we'll talk about that here in the future. But, uh, you know, I'm Sean Castleberry, Brad Hicks, Michael Carnahan, all of our listeners. I want to thank you all for being here with us tonight. I've enjoyed it, and uh, I'm sure everybody else has too. So uh, I'm going to say good night. You guys say good night too. All right, Sean, we appreciate you coming on. And, and uh, I, as unfortunate as you had to miss some of the show, dealing with what you're dealing uh, of course, I'm Brad Hicks. That's Michael Carnahan. We got a lot of programming coming up here on Talk Radio 49, ASWF Aftermath, uh, ASWF, um, a ton of shows, wrestling, whatever you're involved in. 
clear and convincing. This the the show we're on tonight where we where Lisa O'Brien and Michael Carnahan discuss the legal system in particular cases. Also, go look up Sci-Fi Visions. That's something that Sean does on on Facebook. If you have an opportunity, it's, it's a really neat little deal they that he's doing. He's been doing for a while and he's bringing it back. But anyway, also the Plain Sight Podcast will be making its debut uh, very soon. Mystery, murder, and conspiracy with myself and, and Cody. Uh, there's a lot of stuff coming out. Have a great night. Enjoy yourselves. And remember, we all are human beings. We all want the best for everybody. So make your voice heard and get out and vote. For everybody here at Talk Radio 49, thank you. Keep tuned. It's not over just yet. Uh, still more to come as the polls close. Good night, everybody. <laughs>